So, Michelle. So, David. You've stopped sneezing. Actually, I feel like I should start this one. Oh, okay. Then off you go. So, David. So, Michelle. Yeah, I've stopped sneezing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I also, I thought we'd have a guest. <gasps> I, I met this person on oh, Twitter. You met someone else? Yeah, I have. I'm sorry to break it to you I'm like sorry, this. I've got to speak to you. I've got to meet other Twitter people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> no, who is it? I'm, I'm on Um, I always love a guest. Former diplomat. <gasps> And I just feel like because it, it's an area that we have not really tapped into. We haven't. And there's a lot to discuss. So, you know, we might uh, we might hold on to him for at least two apps. Bring this man in now. I will bring him in. You're listening to I Spy, the Foreign Service of Australian Intelligence. Uh, yeah, bonjour. Uh, I'm uh, Il Represente Australie. Oh, crap, I'm in the wrong country. Hello and welcome to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and, you know, I've just come out of sick ward. Yeah, thank God for that. <laughs> I know, I really I worked hard to spread it to you. No, well, you didn't get me. I think you got my family somehow. But oh, I think you? I'm a little, well, I do have a husky sound, but I've just come out <laughs> away from a film seat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I'm feeling good. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, you look fabulous. <laughs> anyway, because I didn't want to speak just to you, because I really, you know, there's only so much, David, I can handle. Oh. I I thought we'd bring in a special guest. <gasps> a guest? Yes. I love a good guest. His name's Jeremy Dicker. Now, he's a former diplomat, and we'll get into where he was a former diplomat. I'm really thrilled about former diplomats. I know, we've never had one. Well, I, well, I technically have when we talk about the CIA station chief assistant, but- Oh, sorry, my- I tune out when you speak. Yeah, of course. But, you know, my contact with diplomats is always fleeting contact that I then right. had to report to ASIO because yep. whenever you meet a diplomat, by the way, I'll be submitting that report to you, uh, ASIO about you too, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I, I've never actually like spoken to one other than the diplomats I met on the amateur acting circuit in Canberra. I love I love this. Anyway, Jeremy, welcome. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's, thanks so much for joining us. Now, how about you tell us a brief history about where you were a diplomat? And what that kind yeah. of entailed. Yeah, for sure. So I um, I just wrapped up 14 years with, with Australian Foreign Service. So I was with BFAT. And that took me to some pretty fun parts of the world. I was in Mexico and then in Peru and then in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. And then wrapped up in January to do something else, build a help build a business with two friends. Yeah, wow. Mexico, Peru, and then the United States. Yeah, what a horrible way to live your life. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Did you have family travel with you? Yeah. Um, my my wife and I have been together for 15 years. Um, so we, we did that whole 14 years together. And yep. then the last hosting in the United States, we became parents. So it, yeah. Considerations so you- on becoming a parent. I know what it's like. <laughs> so you have a US citizen in your hands. That's right. That was, you know what? I didn't realize that was going to be the case until- yep. uh, uh, someone very brusquely told me that my daughter was a US citizen and that I would have to apply for Australian citizenship. Yeah. But yeah, oh. US citizen. Yeah, I interestingly I even I have friends who did even just a surrogate in the United States yeah. and in order to pick up their baby, mm-hmm. they had to wait around for three months to apply for their child to become oh. an Australian citizen. No, I didn't I did, I did not know that. I yeah. thought if you were born to Australian parents where no matter where you were born, you no. were automatically Australian. No. <laughs> And fun fact, I don't know how fun this is, but ordinarily a child born to diplomats overseas doesn't get 
the host country's citizenship. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the case in the US as well because um, of the clause in the constitution. But I wasn't there under diplomatic immunity. I was under consular immunity because I was working uh-huh. at a consulate, which means that my firstborn daughter didn't get US citizenship. Kind of weird, kind of surprising to the so what's the difference between diplomatic immunity and consulate immunity? Well, you don't get immunity at a consular. That's number one. But the difference between consular and diplomatic is a very interesting point. Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I guess you get diplomatic immunity when you're working at an embassy, mm-hmm. which is the main representative office that your country has overseas. But in what in big countries like the US and China and India, you have more than just an embassy at the capital. You have other diplomatic missions around that same country. They're called consulates generally and there's a different level of immunity that applies depending on where you're at if you're at the embassy you have full diplomatic immunity which is kind of weird but it's been for hundreds of years and it means you just basically cannot get prosecuted by I know. the whole Greek no matter what you do even if yeah, you I mean, murder someone <laughs> that's the thing you're immune from local prosecution but that doesn't mean you can't get in a shit ton of trouble um when you are. <laughs> and if you're uh, south uh, african and you kill someone danny glover will go Immunity revoked and shoot you. He's <laughs> a weapon. Lethal weapon too. Uh, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I'm That's a good lethal weapon too, Reverend. <laughs> but he was. Hang on. Uh, if that South African diplomat was in LA, he'd have been consular, so he wouldn't have had <laughs> diplomatic immunity. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Full. Full nice. Thank you. Okay, well, we do want to break down. There was a, a recent review into the kind of uh, diplomats and the status of Australian diplomats, but we'll probably get to that in a minute because what I really want to touch on and get a little bit of your perspective on this, Jeremy, is, of course, Biden pulling out of the quad. Uh, well, he didn't yeah. pull out of quad. He well, just pulled out of the meeting. And and I just love as well how he's like, no, I've got to go back because I've got to deal with some pressing stuff to do with the economy. It's like, dude, that stuff's been going on forever and it's going to continue to go on. You just <laughs> probably forgot that you had to come to Australia and you're old. I'm going to – well, Jeremy first and then I'm going to have my little <laughs> two cents about that. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I mean, uh, it, it was certainly big news and – I mean, I, I don't see the cancellation of the Quad Summit in Sydney as the big story. I mean, it kind of depends what angle you're looking at it. Certainly, from the perspective of Australia, you've got you know, the US president coming to Australia for the first time. I mean, Biden's first time it would have been. Mm. That's a big deal. And there have been folks working in this visit for ages. I remember mm. um, having meetings about it when I was still with Divat last year, right? Like, yeah. Um, big, big deal. And a lot of work goes into it. And so, you know, the, the officials. I'll have working behind the scenes to make these things happen will will be pretty heartbroken, but I mean that that's the way it is, right? I guess the so the big question is what does it mean for for Australia? And obviously it's disappointing. We want to have have a guest like that come to town, and it kind of puts our prime minister at the center of the world stage, and you know it's a big deal. But even that getting cancelled, I don't think it is a massive deal in a substantive sense that the relationship between Australia and the US is so tight as is the relationship among the four quad countries, Australia, US, Japan, India, very, very tight these days. A cancelled meeting is not really going to make a material difference. I mean, mm. um, the value of these quad summits, I think, is really about the signal, the message that mm. they send to the region of the broader world. And that message, that signal is still being sent. And I think it's going to be sent you know, probably at the G7 summit that's happening later this week. Well, I think the the irony is that, you know, Biden was coming over to address kind of a lot of environmental concerns yeah. and he would have brought 
all of his cars and people on many planes and destroyed the environment while he was doing it. It's not that he would have brought um, (laughs) Marine One and the Beast and the Beast's um, cousin, which is a second beast, so we're not sure which beast he's in. Yeah. So his limo, two limos and the helicopter plus 50 personnel are already on site. I know, but like the the environmental footprint to make that happen while he's then going, the Pacific regions, we just hope you don't go underwater. Well, the Galaxy Starlifter <laughs> requires a bit of fuel, right? Now, yeah. the, the thing is, now, as you said, oh, you've probably forgotten this thing, which is the debt ceiling. There have been 78 raises to the debt ceiling since the 60s. So, yes, it is an ongoing and very, very yes. common problem. I, it, was a, problem. it was an excuse. It was an excuse. I disagree because the problem being is at the moment the two sides are intractable. And mm. this is the political game of chicken that constantly happens in the United States, but you can't blink. And for him to leave at this point in time, but, because if the But he's going to be at the G7. But if, yeah, but he's going to go, go, go hunt he's straight going away. To, but he's still leaving. He's going to the G7. He could have just stopped to <sighs> us for a couple of days. It's not It's not like he was just coming to Australia. Oh, no, I understand that entirely. But the thing is, when you add the trip down to Australia from Japan, you're adding more than one day. This I, isn't just a, a fly-by-nighter. So the problem is he does need to be in Washington to, ad- to address this as it gets closer to the day. I reckon he just probably thought it was Austria and not Australia and then just went, how far? Wait, (laughs) where am I going? (laughs) Now, the other thing, and it was something that you brought up and I really agree with this, Jeremy, is it's not that big a deal, right? It actually, I mean, visually it's kind of insulting that he's not coming, but really ultimately... Quad's not going anywhere. I don't mean from a quad perspective. I do mean from the United States really requiring us to kind of be their their face and their force in terms of growing Chinese influence. I think it's important for Biden to kind of cement that relationship a little bit more and kind of doing stuff like this. You know, I don't from from a from a media perspective, uh-huh. it's not a great look. And the uh-huh. media perspective is the one that counts. What are your thoughts on that, Jeremy? Well, I mean, for me, the most interesting thing specifically out of the Quad Summit being cancelled just because of Biden pulling out, I, that says a lot about who's in the driver's seat of the Quad. Yes. Yeah, yeah essentially, the three other countries said it's not worth it because one of us can't make it. So that gives you that gives a real sense of, you know, where the drive is coming from. But that's not to say that the other three aren't true believers. I think they absolutely are. But well, I think, honestly, I think the biggest story here is one, one we haven't mentioned. Yeah, I mean, the debt ceiling's a big deal, the quad's a big deal, but for me, the thing that really jumps out at me and the thing that leaves me a little, maybe a little gutted about the decision to cancel the visit was not Japan, not Australia, but the stop in between, um, Papua New Guinea. Yes. Biden, yes. Biden was going to be there um, for the first ever visit by a sitting US president. He was going to be in town for three hours. There were going to be, you know, more than a dozen Pacific Island leaders heading in there um, to meet with him. This is going to be a big deal. PNG had just declared Monday, which was when he's meant to be in Monday this coming 22nd of May. PNG had just declared Monday to be a national holiday in honor of Biden's visit. Um, and then the next morning they turned on the radio, radio to find out that it was cancelled. And I think that is the bigger deal here. It's yes. rally is the rally is whether we like it or not, we are in the midst of a pretty turbulent time in our region, in our world, and there is a real for influence in our region, particularly in the Asia Pacific, particularly between the US and China. And and that involves hustling for influence and mm-hmm. and fighting to win the hearts and minds of people all around our region. And so if you're sitting in PNG and your folks the, the day that the news broke, folks 
will have many folks in PNG will have driven to work on a China-built highway, would have dropped their kids out of China-built school, yep. would have caught a flight to a China-built airport. Yep. They would have turned on the radio and heard news that the president's three-hour visit, the first ever by a US president, has just been cancelled. Then they would have switched off the radio and headed into an event at the China-built International Convention Center. <laughs> right? So, so you may just have a think about the message that that sends. You know, that's not what that's not the message the US wants to send, but it's the message it is sending to 10 million people in PNG who are voting for their leaders and shaping the way that those leaders are going to you know, steer their country through a very chaotic and turbulent few decades ahead. That's the thing that I think is is the big deal out of this story. And the Chinese have actually, like Chinese media, have certainly mm. flicked into this saying, well, it just shows how, dis, how disunity is like, destroying America, how they can't be trusted, all that sort of thing. And as you said, they have bought a significant amount of influence in the Asia-Pacific yes. region. And now when the Americans are going, well, we've got to win some of that influence back, they then stumble at the first hurdle. Well, and that was kind of yeah. my point as well about him him not coming. So let me ask you this. Is there a reason, because, you know, if, if for some reason Albo or our sitting prime minister can't make it somewhere, we, we send someone else. Is yeah. there a reason why in the United States they wouldn't send Kamala Harris, apart from the fact that she's useless, but is there a reason why they wouldn't send Kamala? Well, look, I've given that woman a go, and you have to admit she's done absolutely nothing with it. Most, anyway. most vice presidents do absolutely nothing anyway. It, That's it's, just, a tough, it's a tough gig. It's yeah. so yeah. tough. have got a, a very popular sitcom about how tough that gig is. Yes, yeah. I know, and it's so on the money. Yeah. But yeah. Is, is there a reason why you would not just send your VP? Like, if it's about, like, just showing face, could you not send someone else? That's a really good point. Again, I think also look at the makeup of the quad, the leaders of the quad. Mm. It's a bit of a boys club. I mean, because our leaders are, are, you know, America's leader is a man. India's is a man. India, interestingly enough, is one of the only countries. In fact, I think it, no, it is one of the only countries that is not exclusively been always led by men. Mm. There have been female prime ministers yeah. in India. We've had one female prime minister in Australia, but Japan and America, they haven't. Now, I don't think it's a misogyny boys club, but I do believe that the other three leaders would probably feel insulted that that leader is not, you know, you'd be replaced it with Kamala Harris or even your foreign secretary or perhaps your defence secretary. Okay, but I, do, I don't even mean... I Take the take the quad out of it because yeah. you know they are looking at holding something on the sidelines of the G seven. Yeah. So eventually, something's probably going to come out of that. Mm. But if it's if it's about you know showing face in the Pacific region with your Pacific leaders, Papua New Guinea, like you know with all the Chinese built infrastructure, would you not just send your your vice president or someone else? I just I just find it interesting. The US never uses their vice presidents in the same way that other countries use theirs. Does True. that make sense? Yeah, oh, yeah totally. They're, they're, I mean, there were I don't know where these rumors landed, but there were rumors immediately after the Biden announcement that the US might instead send US Secretary of State Blinken to in his in his place, both to the Quad and to the PNG leg of the visit. Mm-hmm. I don't know where those rumors started. I mean, one of them is now moved that you know Albo has cancelled the Quad summit, which was his right to do. Um, and I don't know where the, where those rooms have landed in terms of the PNG visit. Because as I said, there are already, you know, a dozen Pacific Isle leaders planning to be in PNG to meet with President Biden. So, yeah, like at the end of the day, they have to weigh out the, the pros of sending someone at all yeah. versus the cons of poten- potentially uh, and unintentionally, you know, offending folks by sending a, a, a less than leader status representative. And so... 
They're probably going to meet on the sidelines of the G7. That'll definitely happen. Yeah. Will it be as focused, say, as if they were going to do something that was purpose-built here? I'm going to say no. Mm. There's going to be so much other stuff going on. I'm going to say that, look, the other thing is, what are they talking about in these quad meetings? That's the for me. That's the big thing. That's a, a lot of people in Sydney are currently dancing with glee that the city is not going to be shut down. So one guy in one car and the entourage that follows him shuts the city down for what half a day. I mean, I really wanted to see Biden fall yeah, in real life. Because <laughs> he's like he's either falling or he's like mumbling. It would have been great to have gone to one of his presses. Yeah, Donald Trump walked up the the stairs to Air Force oh, One look, with toilet I, paper here's on the his thing. shoe. I, I, this is I am not anti Democrats or pro Republicans. I just think he's old. You just like humiliating <laughs> old people. No, You're he's oldest. He's look. He's done a really good. There is no doubt he's done a really good job mm. leading the country. Like they have they have passed some really strong bills, and I think he's done an exceptional job, but I don't think he should be running for another term. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I kind of, you know what, I've got to be honest with you, I kind of agree, but if the guy's got it in him to do another term, he as doesn't, long as he he's doesn't like, die. He's like over 80. Yeah. Old people can do smart things. Sometimes. Oh my, I'm not ageist. Anyway. All right. Uh, sorry, we digress. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, back to our normal program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, with stuff like the the quad meetings and all that, is there much to do with kind of like how is that run through like DFAT or diplomats or any kind of like I'm I'm really kind of not big or not clear on how the structure works. I'm just going to say one thing uh, to preface your answer because I, I know you've got a much more detailed and mm. much more authoritative answer, but I'm pretty sure right now there are several tears before bedtime in Canberra. Right now, when that news came through, there would have been a lot of oh. people that were exceptionally pissed off and put out by it. I reckon like, Albo had a tear. I reckon no, Albo I re- had a no, I'm just talking about DFAT. I'm not talking about anyone oh. other than DFAT. <laughs> I reckon there would have been some very angry people, right. and very upset and disappointed people. Yeah. A lot of it's, work goes into it. It's it's really mixed emotions because it's like before I joined DFAT, you, know, you turn on the news and you'd be like, oh, the prime minister's in Japan and there's 60 seconds of that and then it moves to the sport and the weather and, yeah. and you don't think much about it. But once I kind of you know, peered beyond the veil, I, I, had, I was sort of blown away by the sheer amount of work that goes into these world leader summits. Even just bilateral visits happen. It's, it's kind of staggering. And, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, these are, these are world leaders, there's security considerations, there's protocol. Um, they don't have a lot of time, so you've got to make every single minute count. Yeah. And so, yeah, th- there would have been a lot of work going on behind the scenes. I think for a leader level summit in Australia, it wouldn't have been led by DFAT. It would have been led by the Prime Ministers. PM&C, and, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's that's common around the world. But DFAT would have been closely involved as well. It's it's mixed emotions. Like, I think particularly at this point where all the hard work is kind of already done mm. and then you don't get to see a fun bit, which is, wow, there's the President of the United States walking into the room and, you know, speaking the event that we organised or whatever. So, so it's particularly heartbreaking, I guess, for it to happen right now a lot. But, but I'd also been in the situation, not nothing as big as this, but I've been in a situation where, like, a, a senior visit was cancelled last minute. And there's also just a bit of relief because it, it, it feels like you're kind of caught in a hurricane when it's happening. You just get swept along. It can be stressful. Tempers can flare up. Um, so I, I'd, I suspect there'd be some mixed emotions in, in Canberra, but mostly just disappointment that you know we're going to be in the centre of the world stage and, and no longer. It's a very runaway bride moment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do, th- I do think that, you know, there's Albo the standing at the end of the aisle holding a bunch of flowers mm. and part of him is like going, 
honey. But the other part of me is going, oh, thank God, like, just go home to Toto and the girlfriend and relax. Well, um, yeah, because I was on Sky News when we were allowed to actually, at 10.30, it, it was... Because um, it was embargoed. That's it was right. embargoed and we were allowed to talk about it. And so, you know, we're just yammering on about his visit and all the implications and stuff. And then, you know, you wake up the next morning, he's like, no, nope, he's not here. And I'm like, okay, well, that was a quick turnaround. Yeah, breaking news. <laughs> but yeah, that, that program didn't, uh, yeah. you know, didn't last well. Did, did age not well. age but, well. Just going back to what you said about the preparation behind it, I remember the whole thing about Albo, literally, what, days after the election, was flying off to Japan for, it was a quad, it was one of those meetings. It was, it one was of the hours big- after the election. I think yeah, the, it was, the election happened on the Saturday and he was on a on plane on the Sunday. Oh, yeah, was, he didn't waste any Sunday time. Or the, he was sworn in, yeah. on, and sworn in, I think, on the Sunday and on the plane Monday, I think it yeah, was. But true. the whole thing is... Every all the Australian delegates were given all the Australian political delegates. So Albo, Penny Wong, whoever else I think um, I think it was um, Miles was with them. They all had to wear a little like florette on their lapel mm-hmm. to tell all of the Japanese diplomatic staff, all of the political <laughs> staff, all of them that these guys are new and don't know how it works yet. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they did do not. That. No, no, no. That's what the Japanese do. If you're a new leader, they go. There you go. There's your. You get a. It's like training wheels. You get training wheels. You get your diplomatic beginner's badge, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, he doesn't know that you're meant to not sort of like take it, but it's it's a Shinto temple, not a bathroom, <laughs> right? You know, they don't know that yet, right. so they they literally and because of that, instead of going, oh, what an idiot, they go, take care of him. Is this true? Is, is he move. just making this up? <laughs> well, I do remember. Um, I have I've been to a, I went to a Gintoy summit in Mexico, an Apex summit in Peru. At both of them. Before we go any um, further, just yeah. saying that, just you saying that, makes me go, God damn, how cool is that? Yeah, I was at a G twenty <laughs> in Mexico City. That's what I love about yeah. diplomats. You just drop lines, and yeah. everyone goes, Oh my god! No, I do. Anyway, I, I I need to be marble. I don't want to sound like a like a wanker. Um, but I no, do no, no, no. Like- you don't trust me. <laughs> I sound like a wanker. You sound amazing. No, look, th- David has made a whole career of like saying he was in ASIO and all he did was push a fucking mail cart around. <laughs> I am a wanker. <laughs> I, I do. I yeah. I, I kid growing up in the city suburbs. I still feel lucky to have done all all that stuff. But at those summits that I went to, there were a couple of times when I was. My work was going to involve me being like right at the inner sanctum, like where all the world leaders were, and yeah. just like a couple of assistants, and that was it. And both times, I remember, yeah, you, know, you had to get like a special pin on your lapel, which uh-huh. wasn't from the host country. A lot of the time, it was from the U.S. Secret Service, which yeah. I think a way of saying we've already checked this guy; he's not a threat. So if shit goes down, we don't shoot it. I remember thinking, can I get like five of those lapels? Buy, yeah. Pick <laughs> up a one, just like put, put them all over me. I don't, I, I don't want to get them. Right in the middle of my forehead, please. Remember, the pin, not the bullet. Um. And, but what was it like in those kind of environments, like say a G20? Yeah. It's uh, it's a pretty amazing place to be. I mean, you, you walk into a room and there are the 20 most powerful people in the world sitting around a table just uh, chatting between sessions. I mean, you can yeah. feel you can feel the buzz. It's it's pretty amazing. You also, I mean, one one thing I guess that impacted me from my years peering behind the veil a little bit. I, I guess I got to see folks at the center of power. I got to. I was reminded that they're human. Yeah, you know, and and that's maybe tempered the way I see the world a little. Like I've you know you, you, I've overheard world leaders pleading with you know spouses back home or you know. <laughs> or, or disappointed kids that aren't going to see their mum or dad for their birthday because they're because they're you know stuck in a world summit that's gone a day at a time, whatever. But you know you have those sort of 
unscripted moments and you do remember that these are just just people yeah um, and i i mean as an australian i can say the vast majority of times they're not only just people they're extraordinary people who put themselves through the absolute blowtorch of public scrutiny drag their family to the limelight it is a real heavy burden and, and i try to remember that when i think about policies i think about leaders i try to remember that you know they're powerful and we've got to hold them to account but but they are also people just like us who put their hand up when when many others did so yeah do you have a story or a memory that in your time that kind of sticks out like someone someone who's powerful kind of surprised you or there was just something that really sticks out for you yeah i mean every australian prime minister that i saw up close surprised me in one way or another and generally in a positive way i mean i remember the g20 in mexico the prime minister at the time was julia gillard Mm. Um, and you know i'm not the first person to say that in person she she was just a really warm person and mm. I, I remember seeing that we were walking over to a meeting with another world leader and an australian official had had a stack and like hurt their ankle and was like in pain and kind of sitting on a bench just randomly happened to be right where the prime minister was walking past i mean the prime minister just reckon recognized this obscure australian official had stopped and was like oh god what's happened are you okay like just a, a raw human moment there were no cameras anywhere so you know yeah, I saw that with Julia Gillard. I mean, I honestly, I saw things like that with with all of them, and that's sort of what I mean when I when I say that I, I guess I really got a strong reminder that that they are human. Human. A friend of mine was in Washington uh, getting a coffee from a cafe, and Julia Gillard was sitting there eating like a, a muffin, mm. and he walked up to you know he walked up to her and said, "Look, um, you know, Miss Gillard, your country needs you," and she turned around and just looked at him and went. Can I finish my breakfast first? <laughs> God, right? And that I think that you're in that unique experience where we see them through the prism of the media and all of the the faults and foibles that they have and, you know, their victories and their losses, all of that sort of thing. But you actually see the human side. You see them when one of them turns around and says, has anyone got a throaty? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess, I, I mean, I mentioned that, but I mean, my last posting was in the US and I was there during the, the Trump presidency and – I guess, I mean, and, and you know, we've talked about before as well, Biden having to cancel major world engagements because he's had to go home to deal with the absolute shit show of US domestic politics. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when I talk about the fact that I'm reminded of the humanity of our leaders, particularly in Australia, because they're the ones I've, I guess, seen up close, but part of me is sort of, I'm pleading with myself and all the Australians that we remember that we're all collectively responsible for avoiding us from going down that same path. Of, of ending up in such a seemingly endless polarized political debate over there, where it just yeah. Yeah, it's hard to see it weighing out. And and so I'm not saying we don't hold them to account and have robust debate, but it just feels like things things have gone too far over there. And I guess we need to remember to see the humanity in each other and, and our leaders as well. But I, I don't agree. know, maybe I just be soppy and getting old and sentimental. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, but also it's- that's a great point. The polarisation that's gone on in the United States and to a lesser extent in the UK. And also here, and to an it's, even ble- lesser it's extent, bleeding yeah, into it's, us. It's bleeding into us. Now, yeah. part of that could be, you know, you could throw at the Murdoch media and all that sort of thing. And like, also, ca- you can throw let's, it. Let's not. Can. <laughs> you know, I didn't say you should. I said you can. Right? You can throw it at yeah, various media I think, media I think he forgets that I work for the Murdoch. No, I don't forget that at all. I, look, here's the thing. I, I have the utmost respect for anybody mm. that works for any media organisation other than Tucker Carlson. But um, <laughs> the whole thing is there's a very, like, there is a polarising effect 100%. going on in politics. I agree. I agree. I agree. And as you said, we 
we've got to take a step back and look at each other and go, well, yeah, I don't agree with your opinions, but you know, it, you know, we are all entitled to our own opinions. We're not all entitled to our own facts. And I think we can't. We've got to get back to the basics of what are the facts and what do we need to do and how do we get it done. And I think yeah, that's the problem. And got. look, I want to tuck into more of your backstory, particularly in the United States, and also I want us to discuss a bit about the diplomatic review. But how oh, about yeah. how about we hold off and we will tackle that in the next episode? Yeah, can you wait a week? Can just, you just can you just sit there for a <laughs> week? Just, sit, just well, we'll put you on pause. We'll just put you on pause and we'll be right back. Right, we'll be... <laughs> just hang on there. Quick, run to the bathroom. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, we'll send some food. <laughs>